Welcome to Theology on the Go, a brief interview podcast from placefortruth.org. Place for Truth is a website of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, which we'd encourage you to visit. After the podcast, listen for details on how you can receive free resources from the Alliance. Our guest today is Dr. Nick Needham. Nick is church history tutor at Highland Theological College in Scotland, and he's pastor of Inverness Reformed Baptist Church. He's author of a general series on church history, which I would recommend highly. It's entitled 2,000 Years of Christ's Power. The first three volumes of the series are available, and the fourth is on its way. He's someone who is interesting to talk to on almost every subject, and today we're going to talk to him about the fall. So we'll begin with this. What do theologians mean when they say that human beings are fallen creatures? What does that refer to? Well, it depends on which theologians, I suppose. If we're talking about uh, our own tradition, Mm -hmm. the Reformed tradition, uh, it kind of has a twofold reference, I suppose. Fallen, uh, first of all, has a historical reference that we're partakers of this event, the fall, Mm -hmm. which defines human nature and history. And it also has an ontological reference, I suppose you could say, to our own actual present condition. That is that we are not as we were created or intended to be. Something's gone wrong Mm -hmm. with human nature. uh, And then that plays out in terms of our understanding of uh, sin, depravity, the need for redemption. So twofold reference there. So then what were the effects of the fall? Wow. It affected every aspect of human nature. So uh, nothing in us works properly anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our intellect does not function as it should. Our emotions don't function as they should. Our will doesn't function as it should. Our imagination doesn't function as it should. And at the root of all that malfunctioning is a, a wrong relationship with God. Uh, we're at, the, at the heart of our hearts, we're governed by antipathy towards the Creator. And that spills out into every aspect of our being. Now, when you say that all those aspects of us don't work properly, yeah. um, does that mean that we are incapable of thinking good thoughts, incapable of feeling in in proper ways? Mm, well, again, one has to define one's terms, I suppose. Um, we're incapable of, of thinking or willing spiritually good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think our confessions make that kind of distinction. So nothing we think, nothing we feel, nothing we will is going to be spiritually right mm-hmm. towards God unless we're, first of all, uh, regenerated. But that doesn't mean at other levels uh, we're incapable of good thoughts, feelings, and actions. I mean, Jesus talks about um, um, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. So at a purely natural level in terms of how we function our relation to other human beings, uh, you know, we're capable of being good parents, good family members, good friends, good citizens. 
that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, all of that's perfectly consistent with being rebels against God. Mm -hmm. So, now, I want to ask a historical question here. Sometimes right. Augustine is cited as a th the theologian who changed the way the church, or at least the Western church, viewed the fall. D do you think that, that that's accurate? And then, if so, in, in what ways did he do this? Difficult and complex question to answer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I personally think that the difference between Western Augustinian and patristic Eastern understandings of, of the fall are probably overplayed, okay. particularly in present-day scholarship. Mm -hmm. um, what Augustine did, I would say, is that he, he systematized various disparate uh, strands of thought about the fall in a way they hadn't been systematized before. Mm -hmm. Uh, created a more unified concept of the fall. Mm -hmm. And in the context of the Pelagian controversy, he also teased out more fully, more clearly, and probably more radically just what it meant to say that our nature is fallen. Mm -hmm. um, but you certainly find things in pre-Augustinian theologians that seem very much like Augustine, Mm -hmm. um, I had a quote from Ambrose of Milan here somewhere. Um, <laughs> oh, here we are. Here it is. All right. In Adam I fell. In Adam I was cast out of paradise. In Adam I died. How shall the Lord call me back unless he finds me in Adam, so that, as I was liable to guilt and owing death in him, so now in Christ I am justified. Now, if I just quoted that, to somebody out of the blue and mm -hmm. said, who said that? They might say, oh, that's Augustine. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not. It's Ambrose of Milan. Right. So I'm just saying, although Augustine did systematize and, in a way, intensify certainly the Western understanding of fall, mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean there was nothing there before. Right. I mean, he's, he's building on foundations that are certainly found in Ambrose and in other ways uh, in Cyprian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's helpful. And now, now, in terms of today, how does recognizing the effects of the fall in the way that you've articulated influence our expectations regarding, let's say, social change or the government or even mm. something like evangelism? Yes, yes. Well, if one follows Augustine, as I tend to do on this, uh, he sets out in his great treatise, City of God, a fairly pessimistic view of what we can expect of uh, human society, mm -hmm. human culture, what you might call a, a realpolitik mm -hmm. view, that we have to recognize that uh, great human civilizations, cultures, empires, uh, they're really doing on a large scale what uh, a pirate ship does on a small scale. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you go to a pirate ship, it, it's got its own social hierarchy, its own mm -hmm. order, its own values. But it's a pirate ship. It's not, it's not doing anything very good. And you can't expect much, ultimately, in the way of nobility to come out of a pirate ship. And mm -hmm. Augustine says, well, you know, what, what a pirate does on a small scale, that's what Alexander the Great was doing on a large scale. <laughs> and we have to recognize that uh, the societies we live in, the states we live in, 
are themselves partakers of the fall. Mm -hmm. In other words, the fall doesn't just affect the individual, it affects the society. So I'm not just fallen as a particular human being, I live in a fallen society. Mm -hmm. uh, sin governs me, sin governs my society. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be sort of cold-bloodedly realistic about not only the nature of the individual, but the nature of society. Mm -hmm. So if I can quote, I don't know whether this hymn is known over there in the States, uh, we've got a, a hymn that's quite popular. I mean, I, I don't particularly like it because I think it's romantic. Uh, a hymn over here that talks about um, uh, building Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant mm -hmm. land. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you know, we'll never do that. Right. Um, Jerusalem is in heaven. It's not on earth. And I think if we take an Augustinian view, if I could sort of paraphrase the hymn a little bit, the most we can do is hope to sabotage the building of Babylon, mm -hmm. but we'll never actually get around to building Jerusalem mm -hmm. in a social, political, and cultural sense. So that's, that's what I think it should impact on our understanding of um, culture and society. And I'm, I know I'm taking a particular line on that, and not everybody agree, would agree with me. But No, no, that's I am, helpful. I am an Augustinian on that. Uh, when it comes to evangelism, um, I was actually preaching on this the other Sunday, um, and I suppose the gist of my message was that if you leave out of the equation God's prevenient and effectual grace, mm -hmm. we can expect nothing as a result of our evangelism, hmm. absolutely nothing. We can preach as eloquently as we like, we can produce the most brilliant apologetics, and all the rest of it, and it will have no effect whatsoever mm -hmm. unless grace enables a response. Uh, so that ought to deliver us from human self-confidence when we participate in any kind of evangelistic effort. Uh, our confidence is in God. We have faith in God, not faith in human nature. And I think that, in turn, ought to deliver, deliver us from thinking that if only we can come up with some particular kind of evangelism, some particular method, it's bound to produce results. Well, it mm -hmm. isn't. You right. Know, that, that's the kind of thinking that was introduced into evangelicalism by Charles Finney. Mm -hmm. If only you have the right method, then you get guaranteed results. Well, you don't. You can have all the right methods, and it will produce no results at all, unless the grace of God is at work. You know, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, about uh, one man plants and another man waters, mm -hmm. but God gives the increase. Mm -hmm. The increase comes only from the grace of God. Now, but what about within the church? If yes. if we're talking now about people who uh, whose eyes God has opened and mm -hmm. t they are they are alive in Christ, yes. how does your doctrine of the fall affect perhaps your expectations or your doctrine of the church? Well, um, because we are still fallen creatures, yes. even though we're well, Christians. That, well, that's it. Um, what we have to do there is not just look at our doctrine of the fall, but our understanding of the, the impact of salvation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, in theory, I suppose, uh, God might have arranged things in such a way that when we receive salvation in Christ, we're immediately delivered from all the effects of the fall. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, we are partially delivered from the effects of the fall mm -hmm. here in this present life. Uh, we have the first fruits of our salvation, the first installment, the down payment, mm -hmm. um, but in such a way that the entail of the fall is still with us, even as Christians, mm -hmm. and therefore that's why we have the virtue of hope. 
mm-hmm. looking ahead to the fullness of our salvation when Christ returns. So if we coordinate those two things, our understanding of the fall and our understanding of the impact of salvation in this present life, then yes, even in the church, we're still dealing with fallen people. Um, we have the first fruits of our salvation, but we have to pray every day, forgive us our debts, mm-hmm. we forgive our debtors, and uh, lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one. Mm-hmm. So again, if I can go back to Augustine, he said that the church is like a, a hospital for sick sinners who mm-hmm. are recovering from their illness. It's not a society of spiritual supermen mm-hmm. or superwomen. Mm-hmm. And so again, as I was saying earlier about having a realistic attitude towards what we can expect of society at large, we also have to have a realistic attitude of what we can expect of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a sense, the church itself is, is still a partaker of the fall. Mm-hmm. So we mustn't have uh, you know, rosy-tinted, starry-eyed expectations of what Christians are going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have thought that you know, 10 weeks exposure to real church life ought to knock that out of us. <laughs> so realistic expectations both in the society at large and in the church by virtue of our doctrine of the fall. Yeah, realistic but not um, not too drastically dark and overly pessimistic. Right, right, right. One last question, and it relates to uh, debates that are going on today relating right. to the biblical account of the fall. Yep, yep. Do you, in your mind, as you understand it, is it necessary to uh, believe in the historicity of the biblical accounts of Adam and Eve mm-hmm. um, in order to uh, have a robust and fully biblical doctrine of the fall? Yes, I. my own view is that we do have to hold to the historicity of, of Adam— uh, as the covenant of federal head of the human race. I think mm-hmm. our our inheritance of covenant theology is actually very helpful at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certain parameters that we can't step outside of, and I think one of them is holding to the federal headship of Adam. Mm-hmm. And I would say that for a number of reasons. Um, I think, first of all, if we deny the historicity of Adam then that takes us way beyond the way we interpret Genesis chapter 3. Adam is a quite pervasive figure in the theology of the scriptures, Mm -hmm. I mean, not just the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. If I can just give a couple of examples there, I mean, the obvious one is Romans chapter 5, where fall and redemption are paralleled with each other. Mm -hmm. Adam Christ, the principle of federal headship or representative headship mm-hmm. applies in both cases and Christ is presented as the new Adam mm-hmm. now that, that entire structure collapses if you don't have a historical Adam mm-hmm. you also have uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 mm-hmm. where you find similar theologizing about the Adam Christ relationship as in Adam all die so in Christ all shall be made alive mm-hmm. The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit, and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. And you also have other, not quite so theological, but more kind of historical references. For example, the genealogy of Jesus Mm -hmm. in Luke's Gospel is traced right back to Adam. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you've got blah, 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 the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you've got kind of Adam's sonship, in relation to God there, at the root of Jesus' 
sonship in relation to God. Mm -hmm. not, in the, not that Jesus was the son of God in the same sense as Adam, but there right. is a parallel. Right. And you've got other historical references, uh, almost in passing. And the fact, the fact that they're given in passing, mm -hmm. uh, to me, lends strength to them. Right. Because, you know, it's what these are just taken for granted. Right. So you've got Jude, verse 14, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, right. prophesied about these men also. And then there's 1 Timothy 2, uh, about uh, Adam was not deceived, it was the woman mm -hmm. who was deceived and fell into transgression. And that lies at the root of teaching Paul gives about the relative roles of man and woman mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the life of the church. So at that level, I don't think we can do without Adam. Right. And then there's also another reason why we can't do without Adam, which is how do we conceptualize a fall uh, if there's no Adam? Mm -hmm. um, in, in the Bible, the fall of the human race is bound up in the fall of its covenant head. Mm -hmm. Take away the fall of the covenant head, because you don't have a covenant head, there's no Adam. Right. Then, you know, how are we conceptualizing a fall then? Right. When did this fall take place? Yeah. How yeah. did it take place? At least in the Bible, we're given a, a fairly clear, if ultimately mysterious, explanation, in inverted commas, mm -hmm. of the nature of the fall. Mm -hmm. in the sense that the whole of humanity is summed up in Adam, the covenant head, the covenant head falls, right. the human race falls in its head. So take away a historical Adam, and you're kind of throwing the whole doctrine of the fall up in the air. Mm -hmm. How did it happen? When did it happen? You know? Yep. No, I think that's very compelling. That's, that's very helpful. Well, we'll end with this, um, and thank you very much, Dr. Needham, for your time. No problem. You've been listening to Theology on the Go, a podcast of placefortruth.org. Place for Truth wishes to be thoughtful and accessible and is based on the conviction that the gains of the Protestant Reformation retain their potency and ought to be maintained for the health of Christ's Church. Theology on the Go is a production of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Our ministries include placefortruth.org, the Bible Study Hour with James Montgomery Boyce, and events such as the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology and various Reformation societies. To learn more about the Alliance, visit alliancenet.org or call 800-488-1888. Just for listening, we'd like to equip you with free resources. Visit placefortruth.org to find a link to those resources. And listen next time to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth.